tying the Detroit Lions is tough enough. So why make it that much tougher on yourself and extrapolate the future of the franchise being somehow woven into it? Good morning to you. Good Monday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this is Daily Shot of Steelers. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into hockey and or baseball. I also offer up Daily Shots of Penguins and Pirates where you found this. 16-16 to was the score. Let it live in infamy. The worst game I've ever covered at Heinz Field, and I'd been there since the beginning. And I don't even know there's another that's close. There was a real stinker against the Houston Texans like 14 years ago in which it was nothing but defensive touchdowns. And there was the mud bowl against Miami. I really thought very, very little of that game last year against the Ravens when they came up with like like Aliquippus roster and somehow made a game out of it. But this this one, this was rock bleeping bottom. This was the worst. And yet, despite the caliber, the overall caliber of this game, despite the impact on the standings, on where the Steelers are trying to, you know, take over the AFC North, which they would have done with a W move up higher in the uh, conference standings, improving their playoff position. All of that took a back seat for the nation, for you, to who will be the next quarterback of this team. We, as Pittsburghers, are afflicted with this fear, this perpetual fear that our next quarterback will not be the franchise icon who will hang around for 15, 18, 20 years and make things okay in our lives. This is who we are, and this is how we react. We had Terry Bradshaw, we have Ben Roethlisberger, and we all remember everything that was in the middle, and we never want to relive that again, even though some of those guys actually weren't bad quarterbacks at all. We have to have our franchise guy. We are obsessed with it. We talk about it nonstop. We analyze every little thing that's related to every quarterback move around the NFL, every potential draft pick, every college kid. Now they're even watching the local college team and their quarterback and projecting him onto the Steelers roster, I'm talking about Kenny Pickett at Pitt. And that it's crazy. It's crazy. There's no subject, not even wins and losses in the regular season that supersedes this. So when Mason Rudolph started off really well yesterday, which he did, put up some terrific passes, finished a Nice, healthy drive with a touchdown to his old buddy, James Washington, from college. Great stuff. Great stuff. This is it. Mason's making his push. Hey, all you Mason haters. It went on social media. 
Here he is. Well, also, the Steelers took the lead in a football game, but that, that didn't matter. So the game goes on. Mason starts throwing these curiously soft sideline patterns. Uh, and later on, he would start throwing bullets to guys that were like eight feet away that were completely uncatchable balls. So he had a tough time with the read. Maybe he had a tough time with the weather. He kind of semi-acknowledged the latter, but he was being really careful about excuses. But it turned out to be, you know, basically a Mason Rudolph outing, which is you see some stuff, you like some stuff, you see other stuff that you don't like, and you wonder why he can't put it all together. And more significantly, you wonder whether or not he's gotten the chance. That's where you always are with Mason. It's been four years, but it's only been, in counting this one, 10 total starts. He went 30 of 50 for 242 yards, uh, the touchdown that I mentioned, and one interception. He didn't blow anybody away. Mike Tomlin said afterward that uh, he felt that Mason did a good enough job and gave the Steelers a chance to win. That's actually an incontrovertible point on the head coach's part. He's completely correct because Mason led not one, but two drives that should have won the game in overtime. The first ending in a fumble by Deontay Johnson, the other ending in a fumble by Pat Fryermuth with just a couple of seconds left. And if either of those had resulted in the obligatory Chris Boswell winning kick, we'd all be saying some pretty nice things about Mason today. None of that was his fault. Obviously. Very obviously. But the entire event still ends up being and feeling like a referendum on the next quarterback. This portion of Daily Shot of Steelers is brought to you by Point Park University, choose from nearly 100 career-focused programs leading to bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees. Choose when and how you prefer to do that studying, whether it's at Point Park's gorgeous downtown Pittsburgh campus, whether it's online, maybe a flexible hybrid format would work best for you. Find out more at pointpark.edu. Mason, for what it's worth, carried himself with his... uh, Typical calm and class after the game said all the right things. Uh, he has a, a a good, honest feel about when, when he speaks with you. Normally, when you would ask a backup quarterback something about how much it meant to them to, you know, to get a chance to start or whatever, they just say, that doesn't matter. I'm here for the team or whatever else. And he, he gave... I thought a, a pretty straightforward answer on this. No, I, 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 I'm, I'm so much more comfortable out there. I, you know, comfortable with Coach Canada and our offense, and you know, the young players on our offensive line, and we just gel well as a unit. I, I you know, those are my friends, those are my brothers. We, we, um, we enjoy each other's company, and, and uh, yeah, there, there's a there's a level of experience that you have. You know, experience is the best teacher, and um, you know, these opportunities don't come around often. So I, you know. Obviously, was was excited to get it, and, and um, you know we got to make more plays to 
to, to get in the win call. So He sees himself as an NFL starting quarterback. I'm not telling you anything that he hasn't already said himself. And he carries himself that way. He conducts himself that way. And he's also the only quarterback on the depth chart, including Ben Roethlisberger, who is signed by the Steelers to be here again next year. Will he be the starter? I don't believe so. Will this performance have had any influence in that regard? I really don't think so. And I, I'm not going to be able to say that with the same level of confidence as the first question because everything counts. When you're out there and you have, and you heard Mason just there use the word opportunity, when you have that opportunity, you've got to seize it. You've got to grab it by the neck, you know? And if it's unfair, if it comes at you on a Saturday night at 8 p.m., which is, by the way, when some of the players were telling us after the game that they found out about Ben's status, and you hadn't mentally been prepared all week long to face the Detroit Lions in a home game and such and such weather and and really, really applying yourself to the studies as if you could envision taking the opening snap and all snaps of that game the next day. I mean, dude, that's the life you chose, you know? You had a pretty good idea of what you were getting into when you were drafted by the Steelers. And here you are four years later, still living it. So when you have this chance to go onto the football field and make an impact and make an impression, you got to do it. And you got to do it the whole way through. That meant, first and foremost, winning the game. Didn't happen. As I went over, not entirely his fault. You've got to make that pass to Ray Ray McLeod that bounced in front of him in the end zone. Yes, the play calling and selection were awful. That's Matt Canada's fault, even though Tomlin tried to kind of lay that on Rudolph by pointing out that it was an RPO, meaning run pass option, and as if to suggest that they could have gotten out of that if only. Rudolph had suggested they'd run, which they couldn't have because Detroit put the entire house up at the line to stop Najee Harris, as the Lions themselves would acknowledge afterward. But you got to get a touchdown there. You've got to win the game. And actually, I'll go a step further. You've got to make yourself so invaluable that you leave the team no chance of ignoring you. You leave them no choice but to cringe like crazy at going back to Ben, even if it's just completely certain that Ben would be the quarterback the following week. That's ultimately on you as the backup quarterback in that spot. And that's where my sympathy for Mason cuts off. Who's going to be the next franchise quarterback? None of us have any idea. It's not going to be a college kid. It might not be a true franchise quarterback. It might be 
what, you know, most of the other 31 NFL teams do, which is they just go find a guy, you know. It could be a free agent. It's somebody else's guy, somebody who didn't fit with another system. That's way more likely to me than some dramatic drafting of the local kid or anything like that. Mike Tomlin's going to want a veteran. He's going to want a veteran. And as a result, he's going to get one. Mason Rudolph is going to end up being that veteran's backup. When we come back, just one question. Just one question, and that's brought to you always on this program by the personal injury law firm of Luxembourg, Garbett, Kelly, and George. They represent people who are hurt in car accidents who need help with workers' comp or medical malpractice claims. The attorneys at LGKG pride themselves in doing what they say they're going to do. It's important to them that when they make you a promise, they keep that promise. And this law firm has been keeping promises in our region for over 80 years. LGKG has offices in Cranberry, Newcastle, Beaver Falls, Butler, and Elwood City. Learn more about them at lgkg.com. And today's J1Q comes from Jerry Mangold, who asks, Oh, this is good. All three Pittsburgh teams are in the dumpster as of today. Who is in the worst shape right now? Oh, Jerry, that's, that's just ruthless, you know? But it's, you know, kind of true. And when you look at all three of our teams in the city, they're obviously in different states, but the two that we're used to seeing win are struggling and they've got older superstars. So there's a commonality that's very much in place between the Steelers and the Penguins. Penguins are in a really different spot right now. I think the Penguins can still have a really good team and good good season this year because they just had a really good team that shouldn't have gotten knocked out of the first round of playoffs except they had one player who didn't show and happened to be the player at the most important position, meaning Tristan Jari and goal. I think the Penguins are capable of still having another good additional two, three seasons with their core of Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, Chris Letang. I look at the Pirates always in a very different prism, as everyone should, principally because there's no salary cap. So they're playing an unfair game. Even if Bob Nutting wasn't a cheapskate, and even if he did spend everything that he could on payroll, you'd still be looking at a payroll that would be in the bottom 10 of baseball. You know? So you're going to have to do it the way they're doing it. You're going to have to go through the long slog, build up prospects, and do all that stuff that we've seen other teams around baseball try to do because they can't join the system. They have to beat it. The Pirates have finally reached that stage where they're trying to beat it with the new management. I like the approach. We'll see about the execution. As far as the Steelers, man, this is just 
This is different. Okay, we're in different territory right now with this football team. There won't be, there can't be some grand rebuild. I hear that floated occasionally, and I think it's partially because we see it in other leagues and occasionally again with our other teams, particularly the Pirates. You can't rebuild when you have T.J. Watt on your roster, when you have Cam Hayward on your roster. These guys aren't going anywhere. They're Steelers, and they're not going to be doing any kind of uh, grooming people, you know, bringing them along. We'll see where we are in two or three years. Uh, This is a team, and for that matter, a league, that's really built for quick turnarounds. What do you have to do to generate one of those? Well, the first thing is to have great drafts. Not good, not very good, but great. I think we all can agree the Steelers just had a potentially great, can we say that, potentially great draft? Because you mostly judge them by the, you know, the top guys. Najee Harris looks like he's going to be part of this football team in a big, big way for a long time, at least as long as running backs go. Pat Fryermuth, don't be burying that kid over that fumble. You know, he looks like he could be, you know, another you-know-who for a while. Keep encouraging him. I'm not nearly as high on Kendrick Green and Dan Moore as as the Steelers appear to be from having basically anointed Green their center when it wasn't earned or deserved. And I remember a lot of you getting mad at me when I was talking about that this past summer. I didn't like it then. I like it a whole lot less now, especially after watching all those high snaps yesterday. But it can be a good draft. You have to have another one. And then you got to have another one after that, and you have to keep bringing in significant talent. You also have to be able to allocate your resources toward free agents who fit what it is that you want to do. You can't get turned off to free agency the way Tomlin suggested the other day that he was further feeling based on the Melvin Ingram experience. Can't do that. The Steelers are swimming in cap space next year. That's going to be how you turn it around. You know, you go out and get free agents, including as referenced in the opening segment, a quarterback. It's so much harder to gauge, Jerry, in the NFL than it is in the other two leagues. It just is. Hockey drafts are slow. They're excruciating. You draft a child when they're they're 18 years old, and they're nowhere near even physically developed to compete in the NHL. In baseball, it takes an eternity. You can sign them as young as 16 16 out of Latin America. And they have to go through four, five, six levels to get to PNC Park. That's impossible to project. And yet the Steelers are the hardest to predict because you don't know from season to season how active, how aggressive they can or will be. I'll say it again. You have T.J. Watt. You have Cam Hayward. Now you have Najee Harris. 
And if Minka Fitzpatrick ever decides to get good again, you have him too. You have people there. You just need to supplement them. And with every passing game that we're watching, it looks like you have to supplement them more and more. I appreciate the question, Jerry. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Steelers. Maybe let's do this again tomorrow with with clearer heads, all right? <laughs>